wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, April 16, 2020. I am Graham G. S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Very super special episode on tap. You find folks here today. Uh, we got a two-parter. First, we got Mr. Marceau returning to the show for like the 10th consecutive week. We had him on for the WrestleMania predictions. We had him on for the WrestleMania recap. He's back here today at his own, uh, you know, his own choice. I didn't force him here on the show, but we had to discuss these releases that came out. I was going to have you on the show anyway, but then um, I figured, hey, you know what? Today I'm going to air my interview with Jim Ross, which is going to immediately follow this conversation with Mr. Marceau. So you're in the same, you're in the same elite group as uh, the good old Jim Ross. Uh, JR, uh, Mr. Mars. So that, that's what show you're on today. Jeez, I'm flattered. <laughs> well, I had to have you on real quick. Um, I, I'm on a bit of a tight schedule here, but I did want to have you discuss all the releases that we saw yesterday. Uh, we won't go through everyone like an expert analysis on everyone. We would be here for an hour, and there's a lot to say about a lot of these people. Um, just there's so many releases, it's crazy. I mean, I was texting you name by name by name yesterday. As of right now, it sits at like 20, and I'm sure there's more coming from NXT. I know a lot of... Um, Producers were laid off. Uh, Finley, Landstorm, Mike Rotunda, Shane Helms, Scott Armstrong, Pat Buck, Sarah Stock, Sean Devari, Billy Kidman. They may have been furloughed, so I think they may be brought back. Um, I heard, uh, what's her name? Serena Deeb from NXT was let go. The entire 205 Live commentary team, the guy who commentates 205 Live was let go. A lot of other people we don't. Like, a lot of people behind the scenes in a corporate we don't know. So I'm sure there's a lot more people that we don't know of. Um, But before we even get to that, some breaking news here. i got to mention this. Howard Finkel passing away today at 69, I believe. And he's been... Um, his health has not been the greatest reportedly for a while now, so it really is a shame. The guy was only 69. He was a part of Legends House a couple years ago. Had a chance to meet him a few years ago. Very nice guy. Um, any memories of the Fink, Mr. Marceau? Not anything specifically, but I mean, he was commentating right when I started watching wrestling. Not sure exactly when he stopped. I'd probably say probably like 04 or 05. Yeah, like. yeah, probably. But yeah, when I first started wrestling, watching wrestling, he was... He was uh, announcing, so I mean, he was always—I thought he was always a good announcer, kind of that old school announcer, kind of had like that old wrestling feel to him. But mm-hmm. I, mean, I haven't seen him. I feel like I haven't seen him in a while. But yeah, definitely sad that he passed. He was definitely a big part, especially for wrestling when I first started watching. So it's pretty sad. Yeah, most definitely, uh, the greatest ring announcer of all time, without a doubt. Um, very sad to hear that he passed. So uh, I, I don't know when the last time he was on the show. I heard that he was on Raw 25, but he wasn't shown. They just played his voice. Um, I mean, again, he, his his health has been deteriorating for a couple of years now, which really sucks. But uh, he will be missed, along with everyone else released from WWE on Wednesday. So, again, we won't give our, like, in-depth analysis on everybody. But the long list of names of those included, uh, and among those released so far, and may, more names may be soon added to the list as, you know, the hours progress and the days progress, whatever. But as of right now, it includes... Deanna Perrazzo from NXT. I'm not sure if anyone other one, anyone other major from NXT was released as well. That's it for NXT for now. 
But from the main roster, we had Drake Maverick, Kurt Hawkins, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, Heath Slater, Aiden English, Eric Young, EC3, Leo Rush, Kurt Angle, Sarah Logan, Mike Chioda, referee, longtime referee of uh, 30 years, I believe, Primo, Epico, Rowan, Mike and Maria Canellis, Zach Ryder, No Way Jose, Rusev, and I think that's it for the main roster. A lot of names there, Mr. Marceau. Anyone stand out to you in particular as being like, can't believe they let go of that person or people? Um, we'll, we'll start off with that. Again, we can't go in-depth with everyone, but real quickly, uh, who do you think really stood out to you as being the most surprising of that bunch? Um, I mean, I probably I was honestly more pretty surprised Sarah Logan got released or furloughed or whatever she got because her husband works still works for the company. I feel like that was kind of weird. We could say the same thing with Rusev. Um, but besides that, I mean, Gallows and Anderson was kind of a shot, but I mean, they did just resign. I I know they were in the past looking to be released, but then kind of resigned at the last minute. Um, Deanna Peraza, I've always been a big fan of hers. I feel like they kind of missed the ball on her. I mean, I feel like once she got a character, they kind of put less and less uh, behind her and she kind of fizzled out. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, not that I'm happy that she's got released or anything like that. I mean, I think it's a good opportunity. Once everything like this figures itself out, I think it'll be a good opportunity for her to kind of go elsewhere. I think she has a lot of talent that WWE kind of just didn't tap into. Not sure why, but I think, honestly, even the main roster, she's probably the most shot that I was because I thought she would have a bright future in WWE and they kind of just missed the ball on her. But I think Drake Mavericks, his video that he posted, I mean, I feel like he really, really – this hurt him a lot. I mean, that video was pretty sad. Like he was crying and I mean, just showed that like how much passion he has to the business and how much WWE meant to him. So, I mean, that definitely was really sad, but I mean, anyone losing their job sad, but I mean, the people I just named are the people that I was shocked by the most, at least. Yeah. Maverick. Um, I mean, Ryder, I think Maverick and Ryder to me, as far as from that bunch that we know of, I don't know these people personally, we don't work there, so we don't know for a fact. But Maverick was obviously seemingly the most broken up from the video that he posted. He just put up a video a couple days ago saying, oh, I'm relieving myself of my duties of 205 Live GM, giving those duties to William Regal so I can compete and set my focus on being a wrestler again, which he really hasn't had the chance to do in WWE, aside from the 24-7 shit and a few matches here and there on 205 Live. He really hasn't wrestled at all. Um, And he was going to get that opportunity, and he still will get that opportunity. Um, He's still competing in the tournament. They advertised the last night at NXT. He's facing Jake Atlas in a first-round match. It's it's a round robin, so it's one of the first matches he'll have, and I guess he'll be on upcoming episodes. Um, So what are your thoughts on that about Jake Jake Maverick, uh, Drake Maverick, continuing to compete on WWE TV despite already being released? I don't think we've ever seen anything like that before. Yeah, it's definitely strange. I mean, he can just, like, showcase what he has, I guess, and then kind of maybe help him down in future endeavors. But, I mean, that is kind of weird. and Nothing like that I've ever seen. Usually it's kind of some kind of deal. But, I mean, if if he's willing to still wrestle, I mean, I can't really, we can't really fault the guy. You know, I, he clearly loves working for the WWE. And, I mean, this is probably one of his biggest opportunities they've given him. So, I mean, if it's working for free and getting your name out there and kind of showing that you care about the – like. I mean, I feel like that shows a lot of initiative. I mean, you're fired and not getting paid, and you're still going to go out there and do your job and do what you love. So, I mean, even if he, they don't re- rehire him once it's all over, I mean, it just shows initiative even to anyone else. Like, hey, this guy really loves the business. He wrestled a few times even without getting paid, and kind of even after this, like, it's emotional. He's still going to have to wrestle after this kind of emotional um, scenario that he had. So, I mean, I, I give the guy a ton of props. I mean, most people would be like, screw you, I'm just – leaving but i mean i think this shows a lot 
of character that he has and I mean made me a bigger fan of him just showing how much he cares about the business. Yeah, he had said, oh, he's like, oh, I might not wrestle anymore. This is probably it for me, which I heavily doubt. I think after all this thing is over, which hopefully is on the sooner side, which it may not be. I mean, I guess we have to see, obviously. That's a whole other discussion. But um, hopefully when the whole pandemic runs its course and, you know, wrestling shows go back to running shows and whatnot, wrestling promotions go back to running shows, I'm sure there's a lot of companies going to be knocking down his door, including Impact, which is where he was before he came to WWE. Um, I think AEW would love to have him in a managerial role, if not as a wrestler. If they have Marco Stunt, there's absolutely zero reason why they can't hire Drake Maverick. The guy is really, really good. Um, one idea I had, I mean, you may not agree because I know you're not a big fan of his, but what I would do, I would put EC3 in AEW, if not go back to Impact, and have Maverick accompany him as his manager, which is what they were doing in Impact a couple of years ago up until they came to WWE. Um, your thought, I know you've never really been the biggest EC3 fan, so do you feel like WWE missed the boat with him? What were your thoughts on EC3's very short-lived WWE run? I mean, I think NXT kind of utilized him well. I think he probably could have used more time down NXT. I think right when he kind of started getting his footing down there is when they called him up, and then they called him up to do basically nothing. I mean, so I don't think that helped him at all. But, I mean, I think it was one of those things, like, they, they hired, he had success at Impact. They decided to bring him in. I'm not sure if it, I think I feel like Triple H, not know if he was, like, the biggest fan of him, but, like, gave him a chance kind of, I thought he did well in NXT, at least. I thought his run was good. I, like I said, I thought right when he started getting going, that's when they kind of called him up, and maybe Vince just soured on him, and they just never gave him a chance. But, I mean, I, I, I thought what he was in NXT was kind of what he was like in Impact, and then, like, they could probably capitalize on it. But, I mean, if Vince doesn't see it going any further, it's just at that point, it's kind of what it is. And once he debuted and they kind of brought you that, I mean, he mm-hmm. was the main star the rest of the, the, rest of the run. Yeah, no, after Vince soured on the guy early on about a year ago, I mean, that was that was pretty much it for EC3. Like you said, I thought he had a good run in NXT, and he had more potential to go farther on the main roster, but they just they just didn't see it, and it just went nowhere, which is a shame. I know he's been hurt the last couple months, which is why he hasn't been on TV, but even before then, the guy was main event. He was main event bound in terms of the show main event, not the... Not the not the main event scene. The guy had been on main event for a while, so can't say I'm too surprised about that. Gotta say this, he's very talented, and we were talking about this off the air before we started recording. Leo Rush, big fan of the guy, does not surprise me at all that he was let go. I mean, they were he was a couple if it wasn't during this, he would have been let go inevitably anyway. I mean, this guy came so close to getting fired about a year ago after the whole Bobby Lashley thing happened. He got in some heat backstage, a lot of reports going on around about that. Like with Enzo Amore about a couple of years ago when he had heat, all that other shit, and he ended up getting fired for different reasons. Leo Rush was in that same boat, even in NXT. I mean, I'm sure Triple H saw a lot in him, but he's been still... You know, he has been, he's been in hot water for a while now. He was complaining about 205 Live not getting the time it deserved and all this other stuff that he wasn't a part of the tournament. That really is, I can't really say, surprises me in the slightest. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought once he went back down to NXT, maybe he'd kind of, not figure it out, but I feel like he'd, he'd kind of get back on the boat and kind of, I don't know, he was champion for a little bit. I thought he'd had like a decent little run. Um, I thought like he maybe get out of the heat that he had, but I feel like like you said, anytime he had the chance, he just continued to complain. Like he complained the other day that he wasn't in the tournament, and then mm-hmm. he gets fired the day. But I mean, I saw other people complain. Like I saw like Liv Morgan complain she wasn't money in the bank, and then Kyrie Zane was upset that she didn't move on. Um, but I mean, I feel like he he out of everyone has kind of been one of the bigger planners, and I mean, 
I think he's had a lot of potential, but if you get a lot of heat on you and you can't get it off, I mean, it's usually smells firing in the WWE usually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends on what the situation is. Not to say that people shouldn't speak out about certain things, but it was happening so consistently. Like, there is a way to do it and a way to frame it where it doesn't sound overly negative, but the guy was going out of his way to do interviews last year to talk about how he wasn't getting paid for royalties on t-shirts, which I'm sure, hey, listen, I'm sure is true, but if you want to stay employed at the company, probably not the best strategy, best strategy, best strategy, excuse me, to utilize. Um, if he doesn't care, like when AJ Lee did it about five years ago, she didn't give a shit. She was on her way out anyway, so who cares? Like she, He obviously didn't want to get fired, apparently, so that probably wasn't the smartest strategy. Um, Gallows and Anderson, I'm sure, was strictly a cost-cutting measure because they're all over TV with AJ as the OC. I mean, their shirts make money, so I, I would assume. So I thought that was a little surprising. Um, you know, there are two top names, former tag team champions, two guys that were about to leave about a year ago, like you said, then they resigned for a lot of money, probably more money than they were worth. Um, who was the other name I was thinking about? Bum, 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 bum. Uh, shit. I was thinking about someone from this list, Leo Rush. Eric Young does not surprise me. At all. Like, absolutely zero. Uh, Ryder and Hawkins was unfortunate. They've been there for a while. Rusev, I know, has been asking for it. Um, what were your thoughts on... What was the other person I was thinking of? Aiden English? No. Kurt Angle? I mean, the guy was an agent. Um, Rowan. Did Rowan's really surprise you? I mean... No, not really. I mean... That's another guy. I mean, I think... I'm not sure how they think. Like, I understand, like, he's big and all, but I feel like... There's plenty of other guys on that list that have way more potential than him that they just never did anything. Like, they give him, like, a decent run. On, like, not, I wouldn't say a run, but a decent push on Raw. I mean, he was on the show every week. Mm-hmm. I feel like guys like EC3 have way more potential than Rowan has. I'm not sure if they just see that he's big and that I, I, I just, like, I don't even think he, even though he's big, I just never really thought he was, like, really a good wrestler. So, I mean, he was good in the Wyatt family, and he was decent in the, when he was teeping with Harper, but... A singles guy, just, I mean, I, I never really saw him going anywhere. And with Rowan, too, you got to remember that it was only like six months ago. I saw someone mention this. I completely forgot about it. Rowan is the same guy that they had to beat Roman Reigns on pay-per-view, like in literally September or October. This was the guy that they, they spent with the fucking cage shit, which we talked about ad nauseum here on the show. They wasted so much time with this guy only to do absolutely nothing. Like, that to me was surprising, if nothing else, Mr. Marceau. I, I don't know, like, I don't know if they expected him to get over, or, like, people are <laughs> like, I think that's what it is. It's like, they push him a little bit, like, hoping that, like, people are like, oh my god, this guy's a monster, but he just, like, he's so uninteresting that, I mean, he could beat The Rock tomorrow and no one would care. Yeah. I mean, I mean he did face The Rock. He did face The Rock at WrestleMania. Don't forget that. God, how could I forget? <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, he beat Roman, the biggest... Probably the biggest guy in the company went nowhere. I mean, just, I don't know. I don't know what they see in the guy, but I just, he's just another guy to me and can't say I'm too surprised I let him go. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but he's absolutely, he's never done absolutely anything for me as a performer. Like, again, it sucks to see anyone get fired, but I'm talking about in terms of like, oh, missed missed the ball. The only time I could ever think they should have pushed him on his own aside from the Wyatt family stuff, because he got hurt like there was no tomorrow. The guy got, oh, he, he would sneeze and he would get hurt. I mean, the guy always got hurt. But the only time I can think that he was on his own that I would have liked to have seen him get a bit of a push was when he first broke off in the Wyatt family. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was when they first split up the Wyatt family. And he they came, lost out- the <laughs> <laughs> came out as a baby face. Got over a little bit with that theme song. Dun, 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 
that or that's whatever it was. What'd you say? I actually like that theme a lot. <laughs> I know I called it a porno theme at the beginning, but then it ended up getting over on me, and I ended up liking the theme a lot. But um, and then hey, listen, it's got all this momentum. So what do you do? You feed him to the fucking big show. Come on, dude. Like really? That makes no sense. I'm not the biggest Rowan fan, but why would you do that? Um, I thought that was stupid. Again, a lot of these people, No Way Jose, the guy was on Borrowed Time. I mean, I, I like No Way Jose a lot. You know that when he was first showed up and when he first showed up in NXT. But he, I mean, really, I think it's more a matter of uh, how are they going to fill TV time on main event rather than on Raw? Because a lot of these people were never on Raw anyway. Aside from maybe like Gallows and Anderson, it's not like uh, people are like, oh, I wake up to the news, the entire roster is gone. Not really. I mean, a lot of these people, this maybe makes up, if you look at the grand scheme of in, the entire WWE roster, between Raw, SmackDown, NXT, 205 Live, NXT UK, and all the Performance Center people, this may be like 5%. Maybe. And I'm not including producers. That's entirely different. I'd have to do the math there, but it's it's really, it's a lot of people, but it's a lot of people they were doing nothing with, dude. And um, I, I think it's more a matter of, and I'll ask you this, I think the bigger issue here is the timing is terrible because there's a pandemic going on, and I was texting this earlier. Yeah, that yeah, a lot of companies are having to do this. It's not solely WWE. But I feel like to let a wrestler go during a pandemic is kind of shitty just because there's nowhere for them to go. And granted, like you said earlier before uh, we went live here, there's a lot of people dealing with the same situation, people that were furloughed, stuff like that, that also have nowhere to go because nowhere is hiring right now. Um, but wrestlers specifically, because we have no idea when more companies outside of WWE and AEW will continue to run shows. Rowan's going to be sent home with no pay for a while now, so I, I hope they can, uh, you know, uh, you know, stay, you know, afloat and whatever. Um, so it, it really sucks. But I think the bigger issue here, to me, aside from the timing of this thing, really goes to show with how many people they let go. And a lot of these people, you gotta remember, have been only with the company. Since 2016, 2017, 2018. I mean, you look at the list of people. EC3, hired in 2018. Gallows and Anderson, hired in 2016. Maverick, hired in 2018. The Canaleses, hired in 2017. No Way Jose was brought up in 2016. A lot of these people, not everybody, Leo Rush hired in 2017. A lot of these people were people they br simply brought in to keep them from other promotions. Eric Young, dude. Why the fuck did they hire Eric Young? I mean, the Sanity thing I liked... But was he really that big of a name they had to keep him away from Impact or Ring of Honor? The answer is no. Like, there was no reason for him to be in the company to begin with. And they did absolutely nothing with him after Sanity broke up. So, with people like that, it's like, they should not be hoarding talent. At the end of the day, it's not the talent's fault, I would say. Absolutely not their fault. It's WWE's fault for not just releasing them at a terrible time, but for hoarding these people in the first place, they should not be bringing people in that they have no use for when they could just go work anywhere else. If these people were working in Impact right now, there's a very good chance they probably wouldn't be released. So there's no reason for a lot of these people to be in WWE. As cool it is, as it is to see EC3 back and people like that, if they had no plans for them, they should have never rehired them in the first place. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I think it, I think it even makes more sense now that they have NXT. It'd be one thing if they didn't have like a developmental program or kind of anything else. So if someone comes available, it's like, hell, we got to snatch them up. But with, with NXT and kind of like the stars that they have down there, I mean, there's no reason really to hoard the talent if you're not going to do anything with them. I mean, you have, if anything, you sink more time and resources into what you have now and make them into the star that this person is or even more. I mean, I understand EC3 is a big name when he was an impact, but if you put the same amount of resources and time into someone like Adam Cole, it could be as good or even better. So... I mean, there's no reason to bring them in if you really have no end game with them, especially with NXT when you have 
when you're making new stars or making stars that you have now bigger, it just makes no sense to hoard the talent if you don't need to. Yeah, and I know there's AEW and they want to keep them from going elsewhere, but, I mean, again, if someone asks for their release, just let them go. Like, they're not going to make that big of a difference. And I, I've said this before, even before this whole thing started, like with... um. Luke Harper, he's a prime example of a guy that they were offering to pay him hundreds of thousands of dollars, an ungodly amount of money, he said, on that Talk is Jericho podcast last month, only to do nothing, to sit him at home. Like, come on, dude. Like, just let him go. You'll save yourself the money and the pressure and the headache or whatever of wanting this guy. Like, this guy's asking to wrestle and you're, you're telling him no. Just let him go. Why would you pay all this money, this money that currently, not that they don't have, but it's a waste of money. If they re-sign the Revival for like $700,000 each, what a waste of money. That's a literally WCW 2.0 bullshit right there. Like, that makes absolutely no sense. So, they have to realize these wrestlers worth people like Mojo Raleigh, Jinder Mahal, all these people that they re-signed last year. The Canellises. I mean, listen, I'm not blaming them because they got paid a shit ton of money just to stay, which they ended up, you know, going back on a couple months later. At least Mike did, not Maria. But it's like the company should not be paying him so much money to do absolutely nothing. That, to me, is really the bigger lesson here, that they need to utilize their money and spend their money more wisely than they have been in the last couple of years, at least in my opinion, you know? No, I completely agree with you. I mean, if the thing I don't get, it's saying if you don't value this person at this much, then why the hell would you pay them even more money to stay? It's like, okay, I understand, like, Luke Harper, if you only see him worth $100,000 and he, you don't really value him as a worker, then why would you keep him from working? Like, oh, they want him to make AEW a big star. Well, if you don't think he's a big star, then why are you worried about that? Then? Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of my thought process. And it's like, yeah, I understand they don't want people, like, if it's like Seth Rollins or something that's established, yeah, they don't want him going. But if you don't find worth in that person as it is now, then why are you worried about someone else? Like, that's like more like, oh, like, they're worried that they're going to turn them to someone else. Well, if you if you really if the potential and all the stuff's there and you can actually do it, then what are you worried about? Exactly, kind of- it makes no sense. I mean, it's not like you also have to realize too that they're not going to break the bank with the, like a lot of these people. I mean, Harper is very good. Not to say that he could be a world champion. Maybe he will. Who knows? But like for example, about a year ago, they did the same shit with Rhino. Well, I like Rhino a lot. But they were offering to pay him again more money than he's ever seen in his entire career to literally sit home and do nothing. It's like, why are you keeping Rhino away from Impact? Like, since Rhino went to Impact six months ago or a year ago, has he really made that much of a difference? The answer is no. So, like, why would they be willing to pay him? If they want, listen, if Rhino wanted to stay and they wanted to keep him financially stable or whatever, that's one thing. But the guy wants to leave. So why would you Why would you even offer that amount of money? It's just it's just crazy to me. The Revival being another case. Like, they got out just in time because if they re-signed, I guarantee you they would have been fired. Matt Hardy, same thing. If they re-signed him for a shit ton of money, they probably would have let him go anyway. So I think a lot of these people got out when they when they could have. Brody Lee being another one, all these other people. Because if they did re-sign, they would be regretting it right now anyway because they probably would have been ultimately released. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. You just got... I know they have a lot of money, so I think in, like, in retrospect, it's like... Oh, yeah, we might be wasting money, but it's, like, money well spent. But, I mean, when it comes to the point that you're losing money or you need to get rid of people, then you're screwing the people over that you're keeping. Yeah. I mean, I understand, like you said, if you have the money, why not spend it? But it's just, like, why don't you just invest in those people that you think that if they do leave could become a big deal instead of just wasting them? And then, I don't know. Like I said, the issue is they realistically just have too much talent. So then they bring all these people up, and then they have nothing to do with them, and mm-hmm. then they just kind of leave them. Or, they, realistically, the company just has to make people. 
Yeah, exactly. They just have way too many people. It's a huge company. They do not need that many people. Like the amount of brands they have, I kind of get it. But like the people that are sitting, like, dude, why is why why have Primo and Epico lasted this long in the company? They haven't been on TV in literally years. Like that, yeah. just come on. I mean, I it sucks it. to see anyone lose their job. But I'm saying, like, anyone super, you know, broken up about it. Listen, this is another thing too, and we can go on forever about this, and we did earlier. But like, if these people are so distraught about Primo and Epico getting let go, not to say that there was a lot of people like that, but there, you know, I'm sure there were a little, there were definitely a handful on Twitter and whatnot that were saying, "Oh, these people have families." Where the fuck were you when Primo and Epico weren't on TV? Where were you saying, "Oh, I want to see more Primo and Epico on my television"? Where, where were your signs at the live events begging for these people? to be on TV more. You know, they listen, they, people like, oh, they don't listen to the fans. Bull fucking shit. Sometimes they don't. A lot of the times they do. It, the issue is that wrestling fans are so fucking fickle that as soon as you're like, oh, you know, it's such a shame they got released. Literally a month from now, no one will be talking about three quarters of these people. I guarantee you, like, they won't give a fuck about half of these people. They won't want to see them in Impact or AEW or whatever. They won't give a shit. Like, the, the part of this falls on wrestling fans too because they were so broken up about it then why would they, wh- where were these people supporting a lot of these talents, you know, six years ago? Zack Ryder, I mean, I don't know if I said this on the show or before we went live, but he's another guy. Like, I like Zack Ryder a lot. I've always been a fan of his. But a lot of people are like, oh, why is he still employed? Why is he still around? Why isn't he quit already? Gets fired? They're so broken up about the guy losing his dream job. Like, shut the fuck up, dude. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's just, it's just the way they are. Like I said, they all... They're, they're begging for X, this X, person X to get the championship. Person X gets the championship a month later. Oh, my God. They're, they're, they're buried. They suck. Next guy. Like, they just, like, they can't just stick with one person. Like you said, they're the same people. If Zack Ryder was on Raw the last week, like, oh, my God. Why is Zack Ryder on Raw? Like, oh, my God. Like, he's a loser. Da, 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 da. It's like, then he loses his job. Oh, my God. He has a family. It's, they just can't make their mind up. Like, it's just the way it is. That's the way wrestling fans are. Yeah. They're like, they First people to bitch about one thing, but then something else happens. They just want to be like, oh, my God, why aren't they helping this guy out? It's like you can't just, like, expect someone to go far. Then once they go far, then you just put zero interest in them. It's just, it just the way wrestling fans are, though. No, no, I, I've come to accept it. Like, it's just how fans are. They're fickle, like Daniel Bryan said a couple of years ago. I've just come to expect it. It's just, I mean, it doesn't surprise me anymore. But, like, another example, real quickly, Matt Hardy, another guy, they were like, oh, they should have utilized him better. They buried him, blah, blah, blah. Leaves. Okay, cool. Goes to AEW. Awesome. Takes his broken gimmick with him. Awesome. He does this stuff on TV. Oh my God, this is absolute shit. I don't want to see this on my TV. What is this garbage? Are you fucking serious? Like, you were the same person a month ago that was like, oh, like they should be, you know, utilizing him more. Like, it just, it's exhausting at this point. You know, it just doesn't want to make me look at wrestling social media. <laughs> yeah, it's, like you said, it's exactly that. People begging for Becky Lynch to be champion. She's no champion. Oh my God, she's not over. Yeah, <laughs> we've had a chance for like. You can't have it, like, you can't have it, they want it every which way, but then the way they want it, no one would ever get over and no one would ever be a star. Like, yeah, I understand that fucking Charlotte and Roman Reigns, like, yeah, they're a champion a lot, and yeah, it can be redundant and annoying, but then, like, I don't know, like, was Carmelo the greatest champion ever? No, but it's something different. People are like, oh my god, Melo's money, da 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 she's on TV, oh my god, she sucks, she's not good in the ring, why is she champion, yada yada yada, it's like... You can't want this person to be succeeding one day, then they finally succeed, and then you're the first person to turn your back on them. Mm-hmm. And then wonder why they make no new stars because they give. If I'm the company and give Graham and Alexis a chance, mm-hmm. you guys aren't known, but I'm like, and then I'm the golden goose, like I'm fucking Roman Reigns. 
But if I give you guys chances and then I'm like, oh, like the fans want Graham and Alexis to succeed, we'll see what happens. We give you guys championship belts. A month later, you guys, oh, they're boring. Oh, my God, their, their championship run sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I give it back to me when I'm the gold goose. I'm the one making all the money. Then they're going to still complain. So at that point, it's like, well, might as well just give it to him because he's the one that's making all the money. Mm-hmm. Even though people are pitching, they're going to complain regardless. So yeah. I this is the point that the people don't understand. It's like, yeah, they keep giving these people title runs. Yeah, because they're making the company money. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know it's annoying, but they give anyone else a chance. You're going to bitch about it regardless. Yeah. So you it- might as well just... You might as well just make the money that you like. You might as well just, you might as well invest in someone that's going to make you money than someone that can make you money for a hot second and then fizzle out like half these people do. Oh, the fans are absolutely a factor. I mean, you go back to a year and a half ago and they did that whole, oh, we aren't the authority, you're the authority, which again was bullshit. But like to act like nothing changed, I think is completely ridiculous. At, at a WrestleMania three months later, where literally all the fan favorites won the top matches, and you're going to sit there and tell me absolutely nothing changed? Like, come on, dude. Like, that's just looking for a reason to complain. Is the company perfect? No. Is the no. product any that much better or worse than it was from December of 2018 to December of 2019? Was that much better? Probably not. It might have been worse in certain respects, especially on SmackDown. Raw's a lot better now, I would say. Even, even on Monday, I thought that was a good show, but you know, whatever, that's a whole other discussion. But to say that they never give people what they want is a joke because they did give people what they want and then they called Kofi Kingston boring as champion. And then he loses in eight seconds. It's like, oh, how could you bury Kofi Kingston? At that point, I just gave up. That is honestly a perfect example. It's so true. Kofi Mania, Kofi Mania gets championship. Oh, he's boring. He's had the title for too long. Loses it. Oh my God, how can you bury his championship run? Oh my God, Kofi can't like... It's literally just like, this is why they do this, though. This is why they do this, because they give people what they want to hear, and then they fucking turn on them so quickly. It's like, okay, then we'll go back to what's making us money, Roman Reigns and Charlotte. And then where were these people that were so, like, that really wanted to see another Kofi championship run, that were so distraught about him losing to Brock? Where were those people in the, in the weeks that followed, in the months that followed, pushing for Kofi Mania? They were nowhere to be seen. They moved on to the next guy. They moved right on. They moved on from Kofi Mania quicker than you could say fucking cup of coffee. Like, it was ridiculous. Yeah, just the way it is. But I, like, now that when you, like, think, what people don't understand is they don't see it as a business. Like, I understand as a fan, you want to see X, Y, and Z succeed. But when you start looking at it as a business, like, do I like Charlotte Champion a million times? No. Do I like Roman Reigns Champion a million times? No. But, like, at the end of the day, it's a business. They're the ones making the company money. They're the ones, regardless of people bitching or not, are household names and they're the reason the company makes money i can understand businessly why they keep pushing these people yeah. because if they push even if they push live morgan or freaking trying to think something like like uh, i would say corbin's probably bigger than her but someone like corbin yeah people might be behind him for a hot second but then eventually they're just gonna turn on they're never gonna get to the they're not to the point of where charlotte and reigns are as superstar wise yeah. so it's just like it's it's hindsight booking because even if they book them good, it's eventually it's going to turn. So yeah, and I mean you can't always like. Obviously, it's not a hundred percent for every circumstance. In the case, like I'm not going to say oh different is always good because like then again we had Jinder as champion for six months and I'm not going to sit here and say oh it was good because it was different. I mean hey listen they tried. I mean you even you were even saying it early on in this run. I think I was as well. You know what they tried with him. He had the push going for a while. I like to sing brothers with him, the music, whatever. He had the presentation. It just didn't work out. It didn't work out. You should have taken the title off of him a lot sooner than they did. And that's it. That's that, that. And then you don't do it again. That's all. You know, I think Kofi Kingston worked out because the guy was over. He was winning a lot. He had good matches. They weren't great, but he was having good matches. And, um, you know, they tried. But I'm not going to always say 
different is always better, and they should always go with anyone but Roman, because at some point you're going to have to put the belt back on Roman. Yeah, exactly. Did, did I love the idea of Roman and Wyatt at WrestleMania? No. But you got to realize, too, Roman has not held the championship in over a year and a half. And even when he did hold it, he held it for a month because he got leukemia. And he had to vacate it because of the leukemia. He has, not the, he has not really had a real championship run. And when he did a couple of years ago, before he dropped it because he got suspended, like it seems like his runs are always ending because of something. But back in 2016, when he had that run... Um, he was having those kick-ass matches with AJ Styles, so it's like this to call him a bad champion. I think is absolute bullshit because you know he, he's had some good shit too. But we're going off on a tangent here. I know this is way off topic. Um, as we wrap it up here, uh, final question for you: of that long list of people let go yesterday on Wednesday, where do you see some of those people going? When obviously when the pandemic subsides. Could it be an AEW? That's obviously the most important choice. Everyone, I saw someone say, oh, could AEW pick up everyone? Okay, listen, they should just close up shop at that point. Why would they hire everyone from Rusev and EC3 to Ryder and Hawkins to Sarah Logan and Rowan? Like, they can't hire everyone, nor should they. I don't want to see three quarters of these people in AEW. They should spread the wealth with other companies. There's AEW out there. There's NWA. There's Ring of Honor, Impact, New Japan. Um, of all the possible companies out there, RJ, are there anyone? Is there anyone from this list that stands out to you as being like, oh, I could, I would love to see this person in X, Y, or Z? I mean, I'd love to see Deanna Peraza in Impact. They feel like they have a really good women's division, and they probably utilize her correctly. So I, I think that's one place. I mean, Gallows and Anderson, I, I would probably say probably either Japan or back to AEW or to AEW, not back to AEW, to AEW. Yeah, I mean, they have a tag division, but I mean. Also, what can you do? I mean, I feel like they also have a lot of tag teams now they're not really doing anything with. So it's like add another. It's like kind of like the WWE effect. It's like add another team, and then it's just like another. They just become another team at that point. That's like when everyone goes, "Oh, Revival have to go to AEW." It's like, yeah, but then what do you do with the teams they already have there? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have plenty of teams that they don't even utilize in AEW. So it's it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, they want them to go to this company, but it's like they're gonna same. They're gonna do the same thing WWE does to these these same people. I mean. It just, I understand what people want, but it just, I don't know. Like, I feel like if Deanna Bros went to Impact, they could actually make a star out of her. I feel like she has a, she has the capabilities to become somewhat of a star, but like, Gallows and Anderson, they could just go to AEW and be like, what the best friends are. Like, yeah, I love the best friends, but like, do they, they barely ever win. They're on TV a lot, but it's like they're just like another team at this point. They would basically be if I in I I think AEW would be cool because they're close with those guys. I would rather just see them back in New Japan because I feel like if they go to AEW, they would be no different, dude, than like the Butcher and the Blade, who are just there, you know. Exactly. That's my yeah. That's kind of my point. It's like everyone wants all these people to go to AEW. It's like yeah, I understand you want them to go somewhere else, but when they don't have the same success, you have to admit like. Sean Spears is exact like he's as good off as he is now as he was when he was in WWE. Mm-hmm. He's on dark instead of main event. Like, what's the fucking difference? <laughs> There's no difference. So, like, I understand people want these people to get chances, but I mean, some of it's the wrestler, some of it's the company. But like Ty Dillinger, like, like he's basically he's or Sean Spears is basically Ty Dillinger 2.0. Like, he hasn't changed really at all. Mm-hmm. He's like the same guy. I mean. Like you said, it is what it is. I mean, I, I I hope all these people get their opportunity and kind of can see what see what they can do. But I just think people always want, oh, I want this person to go there. But the ch- either they go there and see a little bit more success, but then they bring down that rest of the roster that's already there that you allegedly love. It's like, yeah, I love best friends, but if Gallows and Anderson went there, there's probably less airtime for them. Mm-hmm. And it's 
time for this person, less time for this person. So, I mean, it's one of those things that wrestling, even though there's more companies, I feel like there's still, there's still tons of people that aren't being utilized. And they just bring in the next best thing or the ne- biggest indie star just to get like them in the company. But then it's like, not really. There's no like set plan for these people. Yeah. You're just bringing them in. So, like I said, AEW does the same thing. Same with Impact. They bring people in just to bring them in, and they never really utilize them correctly. Mm-hmm. But WWE just gets it because it's a bigger scale. But I mean, all these companies do it, and just I think WWE just kind of hoards a lot of talent because they have the money at this point. They're not making ticket revenue. They're not making. Allegedly, that's why they went live because that's in their contract that they have to have only can have X amount of shows taped every year. So that's yep. why they went back live. So I mean, if they weren't working and all these people are like, "Oh, we need an off season," they would have to get rid of even more people because they can't afford it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's one of those things they shouldn't have been hoarding talent. But I mean, at the time, business was well; they were making a ton of money, so why not? But now that this whole pandemic's happened, they're kind of saying that, "Hey, we can't really afford." Not that they can't afford, it, but hey, we cut a lot of costs. Not getting rid of these people that we don't utilize so it is what it is but i mean it sucks for everyone but hopefully this is over soon and can kind of save these people yeah hopefully and hopefully it also teaches the company a lesson that going forward to not you know or talent i mean i think that should be the biggest takeaway here because a lot of these people would have likely been gone you know if this was the attitude era or you know the ruthless aggression era when they would let people go all the time, if they weren't working in a couple of years, like if, if they just weren't wasn't working out, people like Orlando Jordan come to mind, Kenzo Suzuki, Luther Reigns. I mean, you name them, dude. I mean, you were watching during that point. There were so yeah, many people. The turnover used to be ridiculous. Yeah, you know but that's good though. That's what you need. Like, clearly not invest in this person, so let them go and invest in someone else. Like mm-hmm. that ruthless aggression era. They, there's so many people you could like forget about because they either had like a little short run with the company and just it was like like you said. They give so I feel like they gave people at that time a ton of not leeway, but like they'd give people pushes, and it's like, hey, we'll give you a push, and if it doesn't work, guess what? We get rid of you. Mm-hmm. Instead, oh, they like give you a push. Okay, it doesn't work. Okay, now you're on main event for a year. Like, and Velocity and Heat were like kind of like their like NXT. I mean, they did have some jobbers on there as well, but I mean, at least they give people opportunity. But at this point, it's just like. They just, if you don't use it, they just hoard you forever. It's like, you need to get, let these people go and actually just like, let's see what they can do. But nowadays, they just hoard on to everyone. I mean, look at McIntyre, dude. They let him go six years ago. Had he stayed, the guy was in 3M Bay. It was a fucking joke. They weren't doing anything with this guy. He was a loser. They let him go. He went on to become this big star, and then he came back, and he's way bigger now than he was 10 years ago. So, like, not to say Heath Slater is going to go out and become champion and then come back and win the WWE title. But, like, a lot of these people had to leave and come back in order to, for the company to see, wow, look at what we were, you know, missing out on. And then there's other people who they who leave and have the opportunity to prove, oh, you know, they're, we're better, I'm better than the company saw me as. And then they go on to do nothing. Like, I hate to say it, but, like, Tennille Dashwood has done absolutely nothing since she left WWE a couple of years ago. I'm surprised she never went to AEW, and she still could, I guess, but, you know, she's someone... Um, I like Ryback a lot, but he's a guy that, you know, just didn't really work out. I mean, he got hurt, he took, you know, had surgeries, he just didn't really go on to do anything after he left the company four or five years ago. Wade Barrett, another guy, he just didn't really decide, he didn't really think wrestling was worth it, so he left, and that was it for him in the ring, and he hasn't wrestled since, I don't think. So, well, hopefully a lot of these people can go out when the whole, obviously, the shit subsides, and they can go back to work and shows. 
Um, a lot of these people can prove, hey, we're better than what the company um, thought of me. People like EC3, just to have them on main event for the next six years ain't going to do anyone any favors. If it's someone like a Slater who, you know, he, he's born to be a jobber. The guy just screams jobber. But when there's other people, there's potential there. Let them go. People like Rusev, EC3. If you have no plans for them and you never will, just let them go and let them grow elsewhere. So hopefully this is a lesson to WWE to stop hoarding talent going forward. Uh, but that's it, Mr. Marceau. That's all I wanted to discuss. Obviously, we went a lot longer than I thought we would. Uh, but I'm glad we did. We had a lot to discuss here. So any closing thoughts before we ride off into the sunset? Nothing now. Just like just everyone stay safe. I mean... Who knows when this is going to end? Hopefully soon. I, I don't. I don't think that's going to be the case. But hopefully soon, everyone go back, kind of living their normal lives and uh, just seeing people. I mean, that's kind of my biggest thing right now. I've, I've seen too many people lately, and I mean, it's kind of not really affecting my mood. But I mean, it's definitely different. I mean, having a schedule day in day out and just kind of not doing it anymore. It's kind of definitely, I understand people are probably struggling too. I mean, it's not the easiest thing, but just stay safe. I mean, just keep in contact with your friends and stuff. I feel like that's helped me a ton. And I mean, just try to try to live your life the best you can at this point. Try not to be so negative. There's so much negative shit out there. I mean, just pouring fuel on the gas, pouring gas on the fire never helps. Just, mm -hmm. just try to be positive people. I mean, I understand it sucks, but if you have at least a positive mindset on it, you can help a little bit. That's kind of my kind of two cents. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I was going to say, too, there's so many people on edge. Like, we went to, uh, I mean, first of all, stay home if you can, but we went to Domino's for WrestleMania a couple weeks ago to bring it back for Mania. And we were waiting for the pizza that we that we ordered. And the fucking people working there were so rude as shit. And someone else came in that was rude as shit. And like, oh, stay six feet away from me. Like, get away from me. Like, dude, listen, we're all in this together. It doesn't affect you any more than it affects me. I mean, obviously, more people are susceptible more than others and shit. I mean, not denying that. But I'm saying that this is affecting everybody. And yeah, some people definitely have it more worse than others. I'm not going to argue that. But it's like, there's no need to be rude because it ain't going to change shit. So you got to stay positive. Try to stay in your lane and do your own thing and, uh, you know, whatever. We're all, we're all in this together. So um, hopefully this is uh, over on the Sooner side so we can all go back to attending wrestling shows and I can see Mr. Marceau at a Dynamite one of these days. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. So hopefully, oh, am I going to see you back here on the show next week? Is this going to be a regular thing now to have Mr. Marceau on the show? We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Spoiler for the crowd. Love talking wrestling with Mr. Mars. So hopefully next week we don't have more releases to talk about. But until then, people can find you on Twitter machine at RJ underscore Marceau. Here are your awesome questions every Wednesday on hashtag AskGSM. Mr. Marceau, thanks for joining me. I'll talk to you next week, hopefully. No problem. I'll talk to you, GSM. Take See care. See you, Mr. Marceau. You too. And on that note, guys, you can check out my interview right now. A little delayed, but we had to talk wrestling with Mr. Marceau there. With WWE Hall of Famer, good old Jim Ross, all Elite Wrestling's own. The article version of the interview was up right now on Bleacher Report. Be sure to check it out. Good old JR actually tweeted it out himself on Wednesday, which is really cool. We talk everything from his stint in AEW, leaving WWE, to his new book, Under the Black Hat, which is available right now. We talk about The Undertaker. We talk about Chris Jericho doing commentary, doing commentary in empty arenas, how he was looking forward to Jake Hager versus John Moxley last night on Dynamite for the AEW World Championship. Hey, we even talk about the Cowboys with John Wayne. We talk about Tiger King. We talk about everything. We talk about Law & Order. We talk about all your favorite shows right here, right now on WrestleRant Radio. Please welcome at this time my guest, WWE Hall of Famer, the voice of AEW good old JR himself, Jim Ross. Hello, it's Jim Ross. Hi, Jim. This is Graham with Bleach Report. How are you? 
I'm good, Graham. How are you, buddy? Doing excellent. Doing excellent. So uh, very excited to be talking about Under the Black Hat here today. Got a ton of questions for you. Uh, first and foremost, of course, given the crazy circumstances right now, are there any wrestling matches or just any shows in general that you've been uh, watching while quarantining and anything that you recommend? Well, I've got, uh, yeah, I've, I've been binge watching uh, uh, Law & Order SVU. Great show. Uh, yeah, and I've been I got kind of hooked on Chicago PD. Uh, the main characters in both, you know, uh, Mariska Hargitay and and the cat that plays uh, Hank and the uh, and Chicago PD are compelling. Uh, mm-hmm. I started watching um, Ozark on Netflix. Uh, I think I'm four. I started at the first episode of the first season. I think I'm about three or four episodes in, but I'm enjoying it. And I found that sometimes I'm, I'm, I get lucky enough to find a, a good college football game from uh, from uh, from the past mm-hmm. that either I forgot, you know, specifics of or I didn't see to begin with. So I'm rewatching some uh, some college football that I enjoy. So there's look, there, there's no shortage of great things to watch on television. The, t- the challenge is just picking what you want to invest your time in, and so that's kind of where I am on that stuff. I, I I'm a I'm making it just fine in that regard. But I'd, I'd say uh, SVU, Chicago PD, I like that kind of stuff. I like the documentaries on Netflix, and I enjoy, uh, I'm enjoying Ozark right now as well. I've heard a lot of strong recommendations for Ozark. I really want to check out that show, but you can never go wrong with Law & Order. I know they're making a spinoff series on one of the main characters. Did you hear about that? The news broke a couple days ago. He's, they're bringing back Elliot, I believe. Yeah, Elliot, Elliot Staver. Chris Maloney's getting his own show. He was always a very compelling character there with uh, SVU. Mm-hmm. But you know that as a testament to the writing and to the existing cast, uh, him losing him was a big loss. Mm-hmm. But it didn't. It didn't seem like they, the, the the cast and the story writers, the writers in general, didn't uh, miss a beat. So. I'm kind of, I kind of enjoy it, and I didn't catch up with that show for years. Mm-hmm. So all those earlier episodes are all brand new to me. So, uh, you know, it's 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 pretty good stuff. Any interest in checking out the phenomenon that is Tiger King right now? I hear that everyone's talking about it. Of course, I saw it. Yeah, you know the guys. There's a lot of misinformation there. The guy's not an Oklahoman, mm-hmm. even though he he bought a ranch in Oklahoma. He was born in Kansas. He lived in Texas. Uh, he's a he's a crazy person. It seems to me like he reminds me he reminds me of a of a guy that wants to be a wrestler mm-hmm. and he never makes it he never makes it past the opening match of a of a of a uh, independent show. Uh, just it's crazy. It's a, it's a it's such a train wreck and so you know head shaky mm-hmm. that you can't take your eyes off the damn thing. So uh, yeah, I watched it and then they got a special episode coming back on that too. I'll probably catch just a to say I watched it, but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's really a unique phenomenon that this guy's this guy is becoming a pop culture uh, phenomenon to some degree. It's amazing to me all the people that, that watch his stuff that like it uh, and uh, that are of prominence. So hey, it's just entertainment, man. If he if he if you like it, then it's a good deal. If you don't like it, 
then okay, no no worries. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's so many similarities you would think there too between the characters of Tiger King. I say characters, but they're all real people in professional wrestling. I mean, a lot of these people, like you said, you see Joe Exotic, and I think of someone. I mean, making it or not really making on the independent scene. There's a lot of similarities, though. It's crazy. Um, but going back to the book, so with the writing process for Under the Black Hat, how did that really differ from your first book, Slobberknocker, that came out a couple of years ago? Well, when I started uh, Slobberknocker, I was uh, working with Scott Williams. And then Scott and I uh, kind of got the book moving along. And then Scott, uh, he uh, died suddenly. Heart attack, I think it was. Mm-hmm. God bless him. So then I had to I had to start kind of over. And and I, uh, I recruited Paul O'Brien, who had wrote, written the great books uh, Blood Red Turns Dollar Green, which is an amazing series of fictional books regarding uh, set in a pro wrestling environment in a pro wrestling booking office. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Sopranos and tights. It's really compelling. So I read, I read one of those and then I, I, I got, I got to communicating with Paul and Paul and I collaborated on finishing Slobberknocker. So the second book is a continuation and the rest of the story as Paul Harvey used to say, uh, of my, of my journey because there were so many things that happened in my life uh, subsequently to, 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 to uh, Slobberknocker being finished mm-hmm. that I had more story to tell. And the other thing is that, you know, uh, I finished Slobberknocker. You know, it was dedicated to my wife, Jan. She got killed as I was, we were finishing the book. And I just wanted to go ahead and complete the journey to, to be able and be sure that I included her uh, in my life because she was a massive part of who I am, who I was. And who I will be, and so I wanted to finish the story and and give her her just due her credit for all the great things she did in my life and that subsequently helped me in talent relations and many other things. So I just wanted to finish the story. I wanted to honor her, and but man, you know, Graham, there's a lot of topics that I didn't cover in that first book mm-hmm. because of the chronological nature of it. You know, the the Attitude Era, the Monday Night Wars. Uh, the XFL original launch, the, the company WWE going public, you know, a couple more bouts of Bell's palsy, uh, being relieved of my post another time or two, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just an un, the story wasn't finished. And so I, this the black hat takes us all the way through those WWE years. I just mentioned those, of those topics and then right up to me leaving WWE uh, last year and, uh, and moving to work for Tony Khan and AEW. And every new chapter is something exciting, too, for wrestling fans. Like you said, you cover the Attitude Era, the Monday Night Wars, the XFL. Every new chapter is like, oh, okay, we're looking at something new here, uh, offering a new side of something that we haven't known or seen before. It's, it's obviously fascinating. Uh, one of the chapters in the book that you talk about is the signing of Chris Jericho, how you went to bat for him before he joined WWE in 1999, um, obviously now working with him and currently in the AEW and all elite wrestling. Um, what were your thoughts on Chris, obviously, in the evolution of his talent over the last 20 years? But uh, he just actually filled in for you on Wednesday's Dynamite doing uh, color commentary. So what were your thoughts on that? Have you caught it? Very entertaining. Oh, yeah, I watched I watch everything that we produce. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, thought he and Tony, Tony Schiavone were very entertaining. They have a, it's a different style than I bring. Doesn't mean it's worse or doesn't mean it's better. It's just different, and that's good. Wrestling fans like new, and they like different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also like consistency and stability. Uh, and that's kind of ha- ha- contributed to my longevity, I think, just being consistent on doing your work. Uh, but I think, hey, Chris Jericho is one of the most talented guys in a variety of ways. 
uh, a variety of aspects that I've ever worked with in my entire career since mm-hmm. that started in 1974. Uh, he's re- he's the, the reverend of reinvention, as I call him. He's, he just continues to evolve. And it's like the, the, the vignette that we aired a week or so ago uh, with the drones and Jericho's backyard mm-hmm. and the hot tub wearing leather pants. It's funny. <laughs> Subtly, but funny. Uh, that was Chris's idea. And what Chris is able to do is he's not waiting for a play to be called from the sideline to know what to, to, what play to run next. He has a creative freedom, as does everybody on our roster, to create their own content. And uh, Chris is a genius at that. He's taken advantage of that opportunity. Uh, and where in, in WWE, he didn't have that freedom, creative freedom, uh, that, that we do in uh, AEW. You know, we don't have any writers. Mm-hmm. So there's not a there's not a it's not too many cooks in the kitchen type scenario where everybody's got to, got to get their stuff in and over. Uh, so Chris is, uh, you know, and and I found this out years ago working with Bill Watts when you if a top hand has a role in creating their uh, helping create their their content, they can influence their creativity and their creation or creative. I'm trying to say uh, it's uh, you, they have skin in the game. If you contribute to something, and 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 you got the skin in the game, then I believe we work harder to make sure that's a success mm-hmm. because it's part of our creation, and that's where Jericho is. John Moxley's there, you know. Uh, uh, golly, uh, you know, the, the, everybody we brought in, mm-hmm. Lance Archer, you know, uh, gets that. Uh, Brody Lee, Mister Brody, whatever the hell his name is today, but nonetheless, <laughs> all those all those cats get the chance to step outside the restrictions and into a free area where they can create. And uh, I think that's just uh, great for us because same thing with promos, you know, uh, promo being a great promo is an art form. It's a skill set. And we encourage our guys to improve their skill sets in every area. And to do that, they've got to think on their own and not just memorize lines like they're a trained actor. They're not, they're people, they're mm-hmm. athletes. So I, I, uh, I, I, there's a lot of differences there, but uh, Jericho has just been, he's a great leader in our locker room. He's been a positive influence with Santana and Ortiz and Santa Guevara. And of course, Jake Hager. Uh, I just, uh, have so much respect for Chris. And of course, you know, you will go through a lot of stuff in the book about, uh, me, Jerry Briscoe and I recruiting Chris, meeting him in Tampa at the Bombay bicycle club, little, little bar restaurant thing and, uh, starting our dialogue and, then bringing Chris to meet Vince. And uh, so because the, the, the deal of Jericho, the same thing that WWE has had in the past at times, I think they've relaxed that somewhat, which is good. Mm-hmm. He didn't meet the height requirement. You know, so you know, I'm saying that facetiously, but, you know, uh, yeah, he yeah. was he was under six feet tall. And, and to be under six feet tall, you have to be extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And the same thing I can say about Chris, I can say about the Radicals. They all were extraordinary skill sets. So to me, it was a no-brainer. And I, I could care less if they were 5'9", 5'10", 5'8". They look great. They're athletic. And, but they're pro wrestlers uh, to the nth degree. Malenko is as good as there ever was. He's a great coach for us in AEW. He's, he works with the talent. He's a big gift there for us. Uh, like we have Jerry Glenn. We have coaches and not producers. So it's more of an athletic thing, Graham, than, than, a, than just strictly entertainment. We have entertaining things, but you can't you can't supplant steak with sizzle, 
And I think we're, we're, we're trying to do our best job of delivering more steak than anybody else. And it seems like the the ironic thing with Chris nowadays is that, like you said, he was on the smaller side in Vince's eyes 20 years ago. But now in AEW, compared to a lot of the roster, he's one of the bigger guys, it seems. Uh, you know, compared to Jungle Boy and some of the other guys, Marco Stunt, for example. Um, and he obviously stands out in that way. But it's not so much about height nowadays, as you said, as, as it is about, you know, the sizzle and the charisma a lot of these performers have. Um, but he's been on Dynamite. I think this week was his commentary debut. You were on Dynamite uh, commentary just a couple weeks ago. Um, and doing those first few shows in an empty arena, how much harder was it for you having all this experience doing commentary in front of an empty arena compared to normal circumstances? Well, it was challenging, uh, but not uh, unattainable. Mm-hmm. It probably was easier for me than maybe some of the other guys. I'm not sure. But I'm a monitor guy. I work off the monitor. I don't work by line of sight. I don't work by looking at the ring and calling what I see there. Mm-hmm. I look at what the, what the truck puts on the monitor. Because that's what you're Graham seeing at home, so I need to I need to be able to put a lyric to what you're the music that you're seeing and hearing. Uh, but I didn't have a big issue with it. You know, it's just you get lost in the product, you get lost in the storylines, and you keep your head down, watch your monitor, and because the 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 way that the matches are shot in an empty arena, they're shot tight. There's just not a lot of uh, you know not a lot of uh, uh, shots for you get taken out of your game because there's nobody there. Uh, so I didn't have any major issues with it. Wouldn't have any issues with it doing it again. You know, it's just the fact that I'm not flying. Tony Khan called me about two weeks ago and said, you know, I need, you need to stay home because if you get sick, I'm, I, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to be feeling horrible and it's not going to be good for my, our company, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that a lot. Uh, I didn't appreciate being, I don't appreciate being home, but it, I, I, I'm in the high risk group, man. You know, Graham, I'm 68. Mm-hmm. I can't afford to, you know, 30% of the people that, that contract this virus that are in my age group don't make it. Mm-hmm. And I don't like those odds. So I'm here at home and, uh, you know, I'm just uh, biding my time that this, this coronavirus subsides somewhat or I can get back on an airplane and, and go to work. And we can start running events again in, in different arenas. So uh, it, it's just one of those things. It's, it's my problems of being home and isolated and, and and being here in this house again, empty, again alone, is so pales in such comparison to all the, the deaths and the tragedies that people are enduring today. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than wrestling, uh, quite frankly, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I just have a I, – I, I love what I'm doing, and, and I just can't wait to get back in the, in the, in the game like I was. Uh, so I'm going to call the, uh, next week I'm calling the, uh, Mox, uh, Hager, uh, empty arena, no host barred match. Oh, awesome. the title. Yeah. So I'm calling that next week and, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm, I'm jacked up. It's like they said in Talladega nights, I'm all jacked up on diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> Was that uh, from when you were uh, doing the tapings a couple weeks ago, or was that pre-recorded remotely? From because I know the match, is, I, I believe, is already in the can for next week. I haven't seen it. I don't know. I don't. I haven't seen it, and I haven't seen. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what venue was taped in or when. Okay. I'm a little out of touch on that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it to me again. Here's here's how I look at that, Graham. You put it on the monitor, and I'll call it mm-hmm. the very best of my ability. I have great respect for both those guys. Uh, you know, sometimes you get that personal investment 
and talents. And I had it really prominently in WWE because I was hiring so many other guys I was calling matches for. So you have a personal investment in that regard, you know, personal investment, emotional investment, whatever you want to call it. So uh, I'm not sure about all the details, but I'm sure that when they put it on the monitor, that I'll be able to call the match. And I'm looking, really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I'm a little stir crazy in that respect. So appreciate the fact that Tony Khan believes that I can call that all important match uh, by myself. And that's what I'll be doing. Call it by myself. Yeah, it's going to be excellent. Looking forward to the hype packages for the match in the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's it's really amazing to see under these circumstances how they fill the time, and not just AEW, but a lot of different promotions right now, um, with not just doing matches, but also hyping, you know, focusing on promos and vignettes and stuff like that. And the uh, the build up for that match with Hager and with Moxley has been terrific. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but you've basically been with AEW since the beginning, since right after you left WWE um, about a year and a half ago, back in March of last year. Um, with the broadcast team, you were a part of that premier pay-per-view, Double or Nothing. I was there in Vegas last year, and it was an amazing event. Uh, the broadcast team has gone through some changes. You guys have really found your rhythm in the last number of months. You, Tony, Excalibur, making for a great commentary team. Um, since your start with AEW, how would you grade yourself on AEW commentary, and how do you feel that social media being so prevalent today has kind of changed the instant reaction that you receive compared to maybe like 20, 25 years ago? Well, it's a, it's a stark reality. That, you know, it's kind of a wake-up call for some of us. We all, all have to remember, Graham, that that's just people exercising opinion. Mm-hmm. They have a right to their opinion. My issue, if any, would be that sometimes we seek out these half-full glasses or half-empty glasses, rather, than the half-full glasses. And so it's a cynical, somewhat cynical, defiant uh, uh, culture. <clears throat> so uh, I'd probably give myself a, a B. You know, I got room to improve without a doubt. You know, these, we, had, we started out with a new crew, new cameraman, new people in the truck, everything new. It started out with uh, uh, three guys in the broadcast booth <clears throat> that had never worked together before. That takes time to build the chemistry. The good news is I think that we've advanced that that trio uh, in a positive way. And that's a lot of that's just simply because of the talent of Tony Schiavone and Excalibur and the fact that we all we all three get along. We don't have agendas. Mm-hmm. We, we're team players. We like working with each other. You can tell by our broadcast that we're having fun. And, and we're not being dominated uh, by overproducing are telling us what to say. We're allowed to create our own content, uh, and I love that. I think, I think since I've been with uh, AEW since their first broadcast, I think maybe until today, uh, I think I may have heard in my headset uh, from Tony Khan maybe, and he's on he's on headset. Mm-hmm. I may have heard from him four or five times since October, and that's basically to say, hey, we changed this, or be sure you mention that. He's never told me what to say or what not to say. <clears throat> so that allows me to be creative. And, you know, and so for better or for worse, that's kind of where we all are. But mm-hmm. we have, I have a great time with those guys. Excalibur's got a great mind. Uh, <clears throat> he's really familiar with a lot of the young talents. Uh, the Orange Cassidy's, you know, uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, <laughs> all these kids that I was not familiar with. He had them at uh, PWG. Uh, and so he's familiar with these guys. So I'm learning from Excalibur about that. Plus, he's a great uh, uh, he's a great student of 
uh, of different disciplines, different styles, like Japanese, like the Mexican style. He's really good in that regard. And of course, Tony comes in, uh, the veteran, who I just dearly love working with. Uh, he's just a, such a good human being. He's been a good friend of mine since the late 80s. And I worked hard to, to create, uh, I think, uh, hey, we can use Tony Schiavone. He's available. He's right there in Atlanta. He's, you know, Conrad Thompson has rejuvenated Tony's career with his podcast, much like Conrad has done with, with my podcast on mm-hmm. Thursday's Growing JR. So uh, he was ready. And so there's so many things that Tony can do. He can wear a lot of different hats. And we need that with a little team. Tony can do a studio show, can do play by play, can do color, he can do interviews. Uh, he, Tony can do anything with a microphone in his hand. So uh, we're, we got a good, good team that's going to get, but we need to get better. And that's our goal, to get better every time we're out there. And I thought we were just coming into our own when this damn virus uh, slapped everybody in the face. Mm-hmm. But sooner than later, Lord willing, we're going to get through this. And hopefully we'll be back to business as usual sooner than later. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And not just you guys at the booth, but really just the show on the whole. It really felt like in the final maybe month or so before everything, you know, the world ended essentially about a month ago, um, AEW Dynamite was really starting to find its footing and just a consistent... I mean, it's always been an enjoyable show since it launched on TNT, but every week has been better than the last, the Revolution pay-per-view being a prime example of that. Um, I have to ask you this. You, you mentioned him earlier, uh, Jungle Boy. There, there was one nitpick from fans, you know, late last year about, is his name Jack Perry? Jungle Boy, you've called him Jungle Boy Jack Perry on commentary. Uh, what, what's your, your connection with Jungle Boy? And uh, have you heard the complaints from fans regarding calling him Jungle Boy Jack Perry, even though his ring name is supposedly Jungle Boy? Any light you can shed on that? Uh, sure. People make too much, much to do about nothing. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, right now he's Jungle Boy. Mm-hmm. You know, Jack's uh, highly talented. I have great expectations for, for Jack Perry. His name is Jack Perry. Mm-hmm. It's no secret. You can't say, well, you know, he's a, the late Luke Perry's son. He is the late Luke Perry's son. Therefore, his name is Perry. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt this, and maybe I'm wrong, uh, that big picture-wise, he can't be Jungle Boy forever. Mm-hmm. And he's a he's a long-term uh, uh, talent, for, in my eyes. I think he's going to be one of our biggest stars before it's all said and done. He's working on that. But I, I love the kid's attitude. Uh, I met his mother. I met his grandmother. Uh, he, his sister, I think I met her. They're, they're just a great family. He's a real good kid who wants to be great. And he's willing to do all he can to prepare himself for greatness. So I'm a big Jungle uh, Boy Jack Perry fan under any name. But so, I think some, some people made a – it was like a big deal. Yeah. Oh, JR's trying to kill this or – he didn't know the guy's name. It's like crazy <laughs> stuff. But uh, I'm a big Jungle Boy fan, and under any name, he's going to be a star. Any other stars currently in AEW and beyond that you see making it? Uh, you know, having been with the Attitude Era and whatnot, you know, the Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. You talked about a lot in your book how these are two once in a lifetime athletes. Anyone else like Jungle Boy Jack Perry that you see standing out as being wrestling's next big star going forward? Well, I think that uh, you know. Cody's uh, ability to connect with the audience and his skill set in the ring, uh, we haven't seen the best of Cody yet. Uh, and he, because he's an athlete, he's got that Rhodes DNA in him. He's always working hard to get better. And I, I have a lot of respect for Cody in that respect, in that regard as well. You can't not mention uh, Darby Allen. 
cannot mention, you know, I was not a big Orange Cassidy fan because I didn't understand what his TV persona was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen him before. So I had to get, I had to get accustomed to his style and who he was, his personality. Uh, and Excalibur helped me with that a lot. Just to explain a little bit about the, the, uh, the premise, but Orange Cassidy is getting over. He sells lots of merchandise and for whatever reason, I can't give you a, a def- definitive explanation, but he's, uh, the fans loved him and they connected with him. So Darby kind of little Jeff Hardy in him, uh, underdog, daredevil, uh, great heart, never quits all the qualities you want in a baby face. Uh, we find there. So uh, Sammy Guevara is going to be, I think Sammy Guevara reminds me of watching old tapes of Eddie Guerrero. He just does things naturally and so athletically that it looks like it's easy. It's not easy. It's just the fact that uh, Sammy Guevara is that good. So we've got a great young nucleus of 20-something-year-old kids that are wrestling fans to start with, and they love the role of pro wrestler. Mm -hmm. They're not so crazy about being a sports entertainer. At least that's what they tell me. They want to be a pro wrestler, and that's and that's what we foster in AEW. We we are a pro wrestling company, uh, unabashedly and, and unapologetically. And among the new acquisitions that you mentioned earlier was Brody Lee, who was revealed to be the exalted one about a month ago on Dynamite. Um, having worked with Vince McMahon for so long over the last 20, 25, 30 years, and now the similarities between the Mr. Brody Lee character in the Dark Order and Vince McMahon, uh, do you see the similarities that are being drawn there between Brody Lee and Vince McMahon? And what are your thoughts? What have your thoughts been on the uh, character so far on Dynamite? Well, I thought uh, I thought Brody came in in great shape. Uh, he looks like a big time player. And he is. Uh, I loved his ring gear. He's professional. Mm. All shined up there. Uh, he's a big athletic guy. And uh, how he slipped through uh, the WWE creative uh, is a little surprising to me uh, that they missed on him. We're not going to miss on Brody Lee. He's going to be a star for us mm-hmm. because a lot of these guys Brody Lee, John Moxley, uh, Jake Hager. A Cody, you know, a Chris Jericho, all these guys now have the opportunity to do what they could not do in their previous stop in WWE. They don't have all the layers of production. It's not a big corporate entity where there's layer after layer. Uh, they're allowed to create their own content. The, the vignette that Chris Jericho did a couple of weeks ago from his uh, hot tub in Florida with a drone and all that stuff, mm-hmm. that's, that was Chris's idea. Chris produced that. Chris had that shot. He created that content, and AEW aired it. And the same thing, we've done the same thing. Uh, we talked about Darby Allen. Darby's a very uh, entrepreneurial, spirited kid. I love his spirit. He really, really wants to, to be successful in this. This is his dream. So what we're finding is that we've got veterans that now get to create their own content, and we have a major hand in their creativity, and you've got young guys who are encouraged to use social media, their iPhones, whatever it may be, to shoot their own videos. I think going forward, as long as this virus is so prevalent, we're going to see more of that stuff where we've encouraged all the talent. Mm-hmm. Hey, shoot something. And if, it's, and if it works, we're, going to, we're damn sure going to air it. So I, I like that environment. It creates, it creates a, a sense of ownership. It, it gets people to think and produce their own, own material which I think was one of the keys to making wrestling great over the years because there was no wrestling. When wrestlers did promos, 
there's nobody writing them, give them a script. Here, say this, say that, don't say this. Oh, you didn't pause my comma. There's a comma there. You didn't pause. You know, <laughs> crap like that. You know, it's just yeah. silly. So I think we're we're more organic in that regard. I believe we are. And again, that's not JR taking a shot at WWE. Look, Vince McMahon made me a whole lot of money over my over a quarter of a century there. And I had a great wife that helped me save a lot of it. So I owe, you know, my my my, my future is established thanks to Vince McMahon. But I was sitting on the sideline, man. I worked two times in 2018. Mm-hmm. I had two bookings. I went to New York City for Raw 25, and I went to Saudi Arabia on the first trip everybody made over there. But uh, when the, then it just, I wasn't going to be used. I didn't want to be that guy, Graham, that's standing on the sideline wearing a visor and a, carrying a clipboard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just didn't, I didn't want, I wanted to play. And when you get to be my age and you, you're self-admittedly on the back nine of life, I can't afford to have too many days go by that I'm dormant. I don't know when I, tomorrow's aren't guaranteed. So I wanted to play. And, uh, you know, at the end of the debate, you know, Ben said, well, I had some plans and so forth, but we just never discussed them. And quite frankly, I, I had a great run there. And I'm so thankful for the, all that. But, you know, Graham, heck, I wanted to, I wanted to get back in the game. And Tony Khan was, facilitated that happening. He made sure that I was going to be the voice of AEW. He made sure that I was going to be on his team. And now he's making sure that I'm going to be safe and healthy. So that when I come back, I'll be better than ever. Hopefully, that's a knock on wood. I'm knocking on wood right now. By <laughs> way. Uh, so you know, I, I just—it was just a matter of getting back in the game, man. That's like somebody telling you you can't ride anymore. Mm-hmm. For me, so you can either do the job they want you to do for them, or you can find another job riding. Yeah, exactly. And that's all I did. Simple as that, man. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. I had a chance to get back in the game. I had a chance to be able to be to mentor and to coach, which I love doing. I've always thought my greatest accomplishments in wrestling were was the talent relations work and providing opportunities for guys that have gone on to become Hall of Famers, uh, financially secure, and happy in their lives. To me, that's better than uh, calling, you know, Mick Foley getting tossed off the hell in the cell. Even though I love that, that call is, is memorable, no doubt. I hear about it every day, quite frankly. But the other part of it is what I'm really specifically and particularly proud of. And final two questions for you. I was actually just announced today, mere hours before we're talking right now, the Revival were released from WWE, officially granted their release from the company. Um, any aspirations of seeing them at some point in AEW where tag team wrestling is very prevalent right now? Well, the Revival is one of my favorite teams, and, and they're, uh, they're, they were certainly a, a combination I enjoyed watching uh, on TV. Uh, they're fundamentally sound. They're durable. Uh, they're, rest, they're pro wrestling guys. They're pro wrestling guys. That says a lot. Uh, we have a very strong tag team division led by the Young Bucks. You know, of course, Omega and Page are champions. Gosh almighty, the Lucha Bros, Santana and Ortiz, you know, the best friends. We have we have really good tag teams that continue to evolve because they all want more TV time. Mm-hmm. They all want to migrate to main events. They all want to make more money. And the way to make more money is to build your own brand as an independent contractor in pro wrestling. So I think that, uh, I don't know what the revival's plans are. I don't know what their no compete, uh, how, how that works. Mm-hmm. But right now, if you're going to get, if you're going to get your release and you got to go start the no compete, now it's not a bad time to do it when everything's so crazy and, uh, we're not back to normal. So I hope that when we get back to normal and if those, those gentlemen are interested, that they will give us consideration for, uh, their next stop. I love their work. They'd fit in for us perfectly. 
and I'd love to see him in AEW if it works out that way. And final question for you. You just mentioned earlier uh, when you had gone back to WWE in 2017. I was there at WrestleMania 33 when you came back for the Taker-Roman Reigns match. It was a great moment when you made your return. And then they kind of used you uh, kind of far and few between in 2018. I know you had done some NXT UK tapings as well um, when you had called some of their shows the year before. Were there ever any talks of you being a part of that brand when it launched later on in 2018? And also, what are your goals going forward now with you know two books in the books and uh, you know doing commentary for AEW? W, you have seemingly done it all. Well, there's always more to do, Graham. There's always more to do. Uh, I'm not one to. I, I, I'm a big. Uh, uh, I'm not a proponent of the comfort zone. I think uh, again, I'll, I'll give one of my classy uh, uh, illustrations uh, uh, from Talladega Nights, shows you my level of class. You know, Ricky Bobby says if you're not. His daddy told him, if "You're not first, you're last." And if you're in your comfort zone, you're you're if you're not growing, you're dying. I believe that. I really believe that. So I didn't want to sit here and rest and get older. I wanted to play. I want to get in the game. So I, I think I've got a lot left to do. I got. I want to make sure that our team in AEW, the roster is solid. Uh, from what from, from what I can affect, um, and I, I I want to be a great team player and I want to be a mentor to these kids so that when I'm when I'm gone. They can look back on this part of their career and say, "Well, Jim Ross helped me. He was a, he was he was always positive. He gave me encouragement. He helped me identify things. He gave me ideas, things to do, things to consider, maybe more specifically. And that's how I want to play it forward. I want to leave that legacy. And now I've got a chance to do that. Uh, you know, with uh, with, with AEW, they, they we're young and we're like an expansion football team. You know, we're we got some veterans that have been to the big game." We got some young kids that are like high draft picks. Mm-hmm. So now all that's got to mesh together and create that wonderful chemistry. And I think because our, our locker room is so non political and uh, it's so open in communications. I mean, look, if you want to talk to the head guy in AEW, just walk up to him and talk to him. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's pretty simple. There's no meetings, there's no layers. You're go to him, or he'll talk to him, and well, I'll tell him you want to see. No, none of that. Tony's in the hallway, he's, in, he's all around the arena and arena. He's, he's accessible, and talents love to communicate with the top decision maker. It's just a natural inclination, no different than an NFL guy wants to be able to have a good rapport with the head coach. Uh, so that's kind of where we are there with that. I, so I think there's a lot more to do. Uh, you know, I, I want to help build this brand to something strong and everlasting, and I think we're on a good, we're on a good start to that, and I'm just blessed I've, getting, I've been given this opportunity uh, to continue to do what I love. Graham, I will never, I'll die as a wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. I, I will always be a wrestling fan of virtually every company. Uh, I don't think of any company I don't like. I'm a wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. It's, like going, it's like going to a buffet. You, you get a chance to pick out what you want, and you can watch what you want. The way we had with the digital stuff, you know, hell, nothing's a secret. So, uh, but I, I believe that this is a journey I'm on. I believe I was meant to be on this journey. I wish Jan was here to see it. She'd be so happy that I'm back in the game and, and I'm doing what I love. And I feel, I feel like I've got more self-esteem. I feel like I've got worth. And uh, I can all, I can just thank Tony Khan for that. He's just, he's been a wonderful boss. And uh, like I said, these young kids are so bright-eyed and inquisitive. Uh, they, they're thirsting for information, and they trust me, and they know my track record. 
hey, when a kid comes up to you that's 22 or 3 years old and they tells you that you're the voice of my childhood, I can't wait for you to call my match. I can't tell you from my role and my lot in life right now, Graham, mm-hmm. how how, uh, how wonderful that is. It really is. In a, in a business that's not long on sensitive, wonderful moments at times, I found those moments uh, in AEW. It's been wonderful. Yeah, it's been an amazing journey. People can read all about your journey in your book, Under the Black Cat, find you on Dynamite as well, when you hopefully soon resurface after this whole thing blows over, hopefully sooner rather than later. But as you said earlier, it's a lot bigger than wrestling. So um, hopefully people can stay safe. You as well, Jim. It's been amazing talking to you. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention earlier, part of your quarantine playlist, I actually have the copy of the DVD sitting right in front of me, uh, The Cowboys with John Wayne. It, it's been a movie I've bonded with my uh, grandfather over for years now. I, I think that's got to be a movie to watch during this quarantine time right yeah it's a great movie uh hey and also when you're watching it look at how closely matt hardy resembles bruce dern in that movie Mm -hmm. the hair the wild eyes the great big teeth (laughs) (laughs) that's a great comparison i I laugh about all the time i love matt hardy matt hardy's another guy you know uh that has matt hardy was the front runner of that to me uh, of the uh, graveyard thing, and he's the guy that started that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. WWE expanded on it, and, and you know, and put all the whistles and bells to it. But Matt Hardy is an amazing addition to our team. So when you look at that little that nucleus, that, that look, we haven't even been in business a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as on, on TV, we started in October, right? So it's not a year yet. Uh, but when you got this nucleus of guys that have been there, have been at WrestleMania, have headlined WrestleMania, have started WrestleManias, etc. Uh, Hardy, Jericho, Moxley, Swagger, Hager, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, 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 the big boy, uh, uh, Brody. Lance Archer was a, was a, I suggested Lance Archer when I first came there that we should, we should think about bringing him in. Mm-hmm. He had contractual obligations at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Lance Archer is a big, big bo- boost to our, our team. Big and athletic. We're getting big and athletic in a lot of ways, but we're never, ever going to exclude a talent who's talented, passionate, and their whose heart's in the right place, and they fit well into the locker room environment. Uh, we're not going to ever turn our back on those guys. You mentioned Marco Stunt. What an ass he took from uh, Lance Hoyt. Mm-hmm. Lance it was incredible. Hoyt. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just everybody's got a role. We try to use, and I think Tony's been really good at understanding to – you always evaluate your talents so that you can exploit their strengths and you can do everything you can to avoid their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's kind of where we are with that. And I, I'm just having, having a lot of fun, man. It's just it's good stuff. Yeah, the roster is amazing. I mean, again, it was it was great when you guys first started, but even with these new acquisitions, all at one time, too, everyone's becoming free just at the right time. Between Archer, I think, was a lot of people, is someone that a lot of people weren't aware of before recently. They didn't really watch New Japan. That's probably where you got familiar with him, right? We was doing the work with uh, New Japan a couple of years ago. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's, he's a terrific talent. I hate to take up more time. I just wanted to ask you one more question. You mentioned the Boneyard match and the final deletion match um, that uh-huh. kind of inspired and whatnot. Your thoughts on Taker maybe winding it down soon with the Last Ride documentary coming out in the network? Man, I love Mark Calloway with all my heart. Uh, we, had, we, we had a great uh, text exchange after I saw their match. It was heartwarming, the dialogue. I'll keep private, but he's been one of my guys forever. You know, I saw him as the, I think it was the Punisher or something in Dallas. 
I was on the booking committee in WCW. Let's bring him in. Uh, I just I felt like the WCW at the time that was an Ole Anderson decision to let him to not renew uh, was a big mistake. And of course, it facilitated uh, Mark to go to work for Vince and become the Undertaker. Uh, it's hard to predict when the big dog is going to say, "I'm done." Mm-hmm. He stays in good shape for a man his age, extraordinary shape for a man his age. He's got a happy life. He's got a great wife and family. Uh, I love the guy. But to say, I would never predict how much more he's got. We all know, and he would say this, he's got more behind him than he get, he has ahead of him. But I think that using intelligently, which WWE has shown that they can do with Mark, that uh, he, he's not done it yet at all. So, I don't think you're going to see him on a regular basis, but quite frankly, you should not see him on a regular basis anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, guys. Get, the one thing about talents, they don't they realize some they don't realize sometimes that they can get overexposed, and their act gets tepid. tepid you know, uh, Mark's not that kind of guy. He's fine to sit home and train, and then Brent, they bring him back. Always, he's an attraction. Always around WrestleMania, I think people buy WrestleMania in part to see what the undertaker's going to do mm-hmm. so he's he's just a wonderful guy he's he's the clint eastwood of that locker room without a doubt and i thought he and aj styles just uh were absolutely amazing absolutely amazing in their in their graveyard match and quite frankly the concept how it was shot how it was edited was artwork so uh i'm a big taker fan as you can see uh it'll be interesting when he goes into the hall of fame uh who else is going to go i mean he could, go, he, he could be the one-man show. It could be an Undertaker Hall of Fame with mm-hmm. all these testimonials. But nonetheless, uh, I love the guy, and he's a credit to our business. And, and I think uh, any talent that has the opportunity to sit under the Undertaker's learning tree, whether it be at a, in a locker room or wherever, uh, should take advantage of it because they broke the mold when they made this dude. He's really special. He's really extraordinary. I think he's the greatest attraction. And some people say, no, that's Andre. It's Andre. It's Andre. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people say that they haven't even seen Andre in person or knew him. <laughs> I believe Undertaker is the greatest attraction wrestler in the history of the business. Mm-hmm. Longevity, tenure, uh, on top, heel, baby face, uh, all that stuff. He's just, he, he's beyond compare. So I'm glad you asked that question because, again, he, he deserves all the accolades he can get. And I hope that we don't wait until he's, he is retired to truly start appreciating what Mark Calloway, a.k.a. The Undertaker, has contributed to the pro wrestling business. I completely agree. I mean, you compare even just what the Boneyard match was now compared to a year ago when he was doing what he was with, uh, you know, Roman Reigns and people like that or Shane McMahon or whatever. And it's just two completely different characters, even at this stage of his career, a lot like someone like a Jericho uh, can go in there and just completely reinvent himself. And it's still entertaining as always. And it was just a great spectacle. But uh, Jim, I know we went overtime here. I apologize for that. I had an amazing time talking to you. Um, This has been terrific. But uh, people can check out the book again uh, under the black hat available soon people can pre-order it now obviously your podcast uh, no, no, it's, it's, it's available now it's available as you and i are talking it is available oh fantastic okay awesome you, you, you can get jr's you get a, a, a autograph personal autograph whatever you want me to say in your book free shipping if you live in the lower 48 at jrsbbq.com that's jrsbbq.com we also have all of our, our barbecue sauces ketchup mustard all of our condiments there and of course uh, it's on Amazon. 
You, 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 in other words, you can grant it snow. You're a young, young cat. You can get this book delivered uh, without leaving your house, mm-hmm. uh, except open your door and pick it up, you know, if you're a mailman or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Amazon, Target.com, Walmart.com, major bookstores that have uh, online sales. All of them have it. It's a great effort from Simon and Schuster. They're my publisher, and they're wonderful. Uh, and so I've been very blessed to hook up with them, become a partner to them. It will not be the last project I work on with Simon and Schuster. I can tell you that. Uh, but I'm just, uh, I'm really happy that we have a way to, you know, when they close the bookstores, man, when my book's coming out, that's a bad break mm-hmm. until we say, well, we, how we make a positive out of this negative? Well, we, we promote the fact that you can order the book online. The ebook could be in your possession. You could be reading in 30 seconds, you know, both ebooks at Simon, at the Amazon or, uh, and then you got, uh, the audio book, which I read myself and which is the hardest thing I've ever done as a, as a quote unquote performer, because everything I was reading, I live obviously. And then I, when I got into the topic of talking about my late wife, that became very personal. And it took me about twice as many days to read the audio book as it did to read Slobberknocker mm-hmm. because it, there were times, Graham, where I would have so many tears in my eyes. This is not no BS that I had to stop reading. I couldn't see. So, uh, it was a very emotional read. I think you'll see that or hear that when you, if you check out the audio book, but there's a, you always can find a silver lining. We can always find a way to get to the positive side of things. And I think we've done that here with this. And, and I'm glad that you, uh, hope you check it out and uh, I think you're going to love it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a phenomenal way to pass the time, especially in times like now. And uh, as you've been saying, you know, on your podcast for years now, as far as I've been listening to your podcast back, you know, 2014, when you said after the warrior passed away, tomorrow's are never guaranteed. And especially now that's more, uh, uh, fitting than ever during the times of right now, the uncertainty that we're facing. But the book is a great way to pass the time. People can check out the podcast. Hopefully we see on Dynamite uh, sooner rather than later when this whole thing wraps up. And uh, people got to check out Cowboys as well. I mean, I think that's another great way to pass the time. Great book, uh, a great movie. The other movie that I would suggest is The Shootist because The Shootist kind of encapsulates John Wayne's acting career mm-hmm. as he played an aging gunfighter, uh, J.B. Books. And he lived in a, in, a, in a boarding house ran by Lauren Bacall and her young son, Ron Howard, Opie Taylor. Uh, it was, I love that story, too. It's just he had terminal cancer and he wanted to go out on his own terms. And that's kind of the way John Wayne lived his life on his own terms. So, uh, yeah, John Wayne's not a bad way to spend, the, spend some time here. And, uh, and by the way, there's not a movie that he's made that the whole family cannot watch together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's perfect. Absolutely. Is there any place where people could check out the shootest? Now, I have the Cowboy on DVD, the Cowboys on DVD. Is there any place where people can find that that you know of, like a streaming service or no? I, I don't know anything offhand, but I know that, uh, uh, you know, it's one of those deals where I would suggest this, Google it. <laughs> yeah. and, seriously, and then they'll, they'll take you to a link or something that you can you can look at. But it's a it's a staple on my, on my, on my TV. When it's on, I watch it, mm-hmm. put it that way. Perfect. Same way with uh, with with uh, the Cowboys. The Cowboys pissed me off. Bruce, Dern, I I did not like Bruce Dern for a long, long time mm-hmm. after, after his uh, character shot John Wayne in the back after John Wayne whipped his ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just good stuff, man. It was just oh, it, it was like it's like Bruce Dern was this heel, <laughs> and John Wayne was just bigger than life, baby face. Mm-hmm. You couldn't beat him fairly, so you just shoot him in the back and kill him. And boy, it's, it's got some heat. 
mm-hmm. get some angst. So uh, <laughs> obviously you can tell I've made emotional investment in a lot of John Wayne stuff. Mm-hmm. My wife used to, that was one of my favorite gifts at, at birthdays and, and Christmas and things was memorabilia. So I've got a, I've got a wealth of John Wayne memorabilia that my wife uh, bought for me, all signed. I own his last hairpiece. Mm-hmm. I own his last cigarette lighter. I own uh, three pair of his cufflinks. I generally wear a pair during a pay-per-views oh, nice. half for years. Yeah. So, uh, autograph stuff. I, I just, I look at my house right now and seeing a bunch of John Wayne things. And, uh, but that was all thanks to her. God bless her. God bless her soul. And, and, uh, but yeah, you can't go wrong with John Wayne. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot, JR. I really appreciate it. All right, Graham. Thank you, buddy, for taking the time to talk to me and, and hope everybody enjoys the book. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, JR. Stay safe. Okay, buddy. You too. Thanks. Catch you down the road. Bye-bye.